to the Stick to Wrestling Podcast, where if you give us 60 minutes, perhaps indeed, we will give you a Marabone podcast. There are some other good podcasts out there, but are they wicked good? Let's ask this guy. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. No, no. Oh, no. Well, that's a definitive no. And with that said, I'm going to start by uh, reaching out to my good friend, Jeff Bowdrin who I have known since the 80s. And uh, Jeff has been going through a rough patch as of late. We want to wish him all the best. Jeff is a, a friend of the show. He's been on as a guest before. He has his own Arcadian Vanguard Network podcast. Um, Kayfabe, uh, something, something Kayfabe. It's really good. <laughs> I'm just not remembering the name right now. Breaking Kayfabe. Breaking Kayfabe. Thank you, my convivial co-host. And while we're... Getting to that, we're going to talk about the social media aspect of this great podcast. Um, but follow me on Twitter. All you have to do is put in the name John McAdam and follow the two guys following with chairs. And with that said, they come running just as fast as they can because every girl crazy about Sean Goodwin, who moments ago thought there would not be a song this week. I've given up on that one. I just it's <laughs> like it's like how many more? I didn't realize the '70s had this many songs. Uh, so. Now that I'm here, we are and that here. Was 1983. Go ahead. All the same. <laughs> um, like the 70s, like goes right into 84, and then you can kind of move off into the 80s. Uh, so the Facebook page, which because if you're thinking the 70s, you're thinking our Facebook page. If you still haven't joined the you know, the Stick to Wrestling uh, Facebook page, this is what you miss. Actually, Kevin Orcart seriously is uh, put some nice stuff up. We have some good 70s footage from Portland and a. Uh, a uh, 72 episode from Portland. All of it's just the audio, but you, uh, the gladiators on there, Ricky, um, uh, honor. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. And we also had a WrestleMania five group watch, uh, yes. earlier this week, uh, earlier this week. So that was good times. Uh, you can uh, let John uh, fill you in on that, but you know, we also had our clips, uh, videos and just a bunch of great guys. And just, uh, what else are you going to do? That's a really good question. And I mean, since you brought it up, Sean, just when you thought the Facebook page, the, the group, excuse me, had had peaked while we're still all stuck inside. We are doing group watches on material from WWE Network, and maybe in the future, YouTube. Um, it's a bunch of great guys, people who have been guests on the show. Uh, I'm usually there. Uh, and we just put on the WWE Network, like we start whatever it is at, at 6 o'clock Eastern on Sundays, and we sit there, and what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, we we shoot the bull online. And, you know, like I said, it's pretty yeah. cool. You got a bunch of, it's like being in a room with a bunch of cool guys watching wrestling, except you're not actually in the room. Yeah, uh, Brandon's usually there, Brandon Rice, uh, last week's guest. Yeah, uh, for the last two weeks. Um, and our guest today is usually in attendance. That is correct. Once again, we are bringing on uh, someone. We're going to be talking about WrestleMania 4 and possibly WrestleMania 5, depending on how much time we, we take yakking about it. I want to bring on someone who was at both WrestleMania 4 and WrestleMania 5 live, the malevolent mailman, Jamie Ward. Jamie, thank you for coming back on. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. I mean, you're going to have an outstanding perspective because you were right there in Atlantic City for both of these events. Now, I watched WrestleMania 5 as part of the group watch a few days ago, 
really quickly, I mean, what was it like being there? Like, it looked like there were a ton of floor seats, and floor seats, when it comes to watching wrestling live, absolutely suck. Oh, I, I never get floor seats. I made that mistake back in the early 80s at the uh, Spectrum one time where I bought 20 a throw, and my father and I ended up moving back up into the regular stands yep. because you couldn't see because everybody stands up the whole entire card. So for this show and all, for WrestleMania four and WrestleMania five, we were smarter than that. We bought about halfway up each time. Yeah, I mean, I had that experience exactly once at the Boston Garden where I was right around the 20th row and everyone in front of me standing. So I stood and the guy behind me acts like I'm the problem. Hey, could you sit down? I'm like, you know what? Tell that guy to sit down and I will. And that shut him right up. Yeah, if you don't get within the first two or three rows, it's worthless to sit on the floor, at least in those bigger uh, arenas. Yeah, right. Hey, one thing before we dive into the WrestleManias I wanted to talk about, uh, this wasn't in my notes for some reason. Last time we recorded Stick to Wrestling was two weeks ago. It was, I think, Wednesday the 11th. And, you know, of course, we're all at that time a little bit nervous about what's going on in the world. But uh, everything was kind of normal. And then like 40, 45 minutes after we're done recording, after uh, I'm sitting here talking about, yeah, we've got an NCAA tournament pool to Facebook page. Like the world came crumbling down and I just hope everyone and their family is safe. I wanted to throw that in and we're happy to do this for you to get your mind off things if you need that. So, you know, I apologize for jinxing the whole thing by saying, yeah, you know, with the second show, hey, if anything has gone crazy in this world, we recorded a week in advance, and I just totally jinxed it with that. But anyway, Sean, I'll tell you what. You're going to be the quarterback for this show. We're going to start talking about WrestleMania four. Okay, let's uh, go through the card real quick for those who don't remember. Um, this is the first of those cards that just went on forever. This is one of the first. Yeah, I know WrestleMania three, but that was a special occasion. But, uh, you know, this was the first of the regular WrestleManias that just was like, you know, you had to plan a couple days for it. Um, WrestleMania the, 3 was only like 2 hours and 40 minutes I'm off the top of my head because I remember having it on a video cassette that was 2 hours and 40 minutes you may well be right I just kind of assumed it went forever because they've done it but this is the first one that I remember just went on forever uh, you have the K&M connection going over Orton and uh, Morocco with uh, Mr. Fuji Billy Jack Haynes that's 3 man Her- what is that's <laughs> oh my head 3 <laughs> You had my head spinning there for a minute. Oh, yeah. Ah, uh, the blessed the, plans of mice and men. Oh, I know. Which one is the uh, the opening match? Bad News Brown. I think the opener was the Battle Royal. Right. Bad News Brown wins. Okay. Well, okay. I got the right one. one. I'm done. Okay. Yes. Okay. This looks much longer. So this is correct. Bad News Brown uh, eliminates Hart in the Battle Royal. You had DiBiase um, beating Duggan. These are all first round matches. Morocco over Bravo. Valentine over uh, Ricky Steamboat. Savage beats uh, Butch Reed, one-man gang, defeats Bigelow, and then Roberts and Rude in a time limit draw. And just because you have a, another match with uh, the Ultimate Warrior over Hercules. And then you have Andre and Hogan in that kind of famous match in the quarterfinal. Then DBIC beats Morocco, Savage over Valentine, Beefcake over Honky Tonk Man, Islanders over the Bulldogs, Savage defeats One Man Gang, Demolition defeats Strikeforce, and Savage defeats DiBiase for the title at the tournament final. 
And that took forever, and so did the card. So our uh, first discussion points here is, let's see. Honky Tonk Man refuses to lose the IC title on NBC, so they changed the booking of this show, and thus their summer plans. That worked out for all involved. How did Honky get this kind of clout? Uh, actually, I don't know. So, I'll, uh, Jamie, John, you guys. Jamie, I'll tell you what. Can you share your thoughts on Mr. Ferris's actions back? This was before the NBC special that aired February fifth, or I think nineteen eighty-eight, and he just went to Vince and said, "I'm not doing a job on this television show," and they reworked the program so that originally. Ted DiBiase was going to win the title and they were going to spend the summer having intercontinental champion Randy Savage chasing for the title, but instead they reversed it. Jamie, your thoughts on the whole thing? Well, the way I understand the story is you got to back up to the, uh, I guess, June, the previous June, where Steamboat's the intercontinental champion. He decides, or I guess Bonnie probably decided for him that he needed to be home a little bit. So he gave Vince notice that he was going to leave, and they were originally going to put the belt on Butch Reed, who no-showed the the card where they're going to do the title change. And Honky claims he was just walking past Vince McMahon and said, hey, I'll do it. I'll take the belt, and you can count on me working every night. And evidently, that's what happened. And because of, of Honky's dedication to doing whatever, you know, good company man, that's how he built up the clout and had the right to say no. I had heard that story as well. Ferris's story is that he did not want to lose on NBC, and he just wasn't going to do it. And I heard that Savage said, okay, well, if he doesn't want to lose the belt, I can just take it off of him. And Vince sees this wall of water coming his way, and he makes a deal with Savage so that he wins the world title instead of the Intercontinental title, and DiBiase once again gets screwed out of a world title like he did with the, in the NWA in 1981. So, I mean, here's what I would have done. I don't like what Savage did. I mean, Vince took a guy named Wayne Ferris, who hadn't done much in the wrestling business. He you know, did some stuff in Memphis. He did some stuff in Calgary. I mean, you know, Vince made him a star. And if I were Vince, I would have been like, okay, look, if you're telling me you don't want to lose on this NBC special, fine. But you need to lose it at the next TV taping. We need the belt on Savage, period. I don't care how it gets there. And if he said no to that, I would, okay, first of all, before this meeting took place, I would have made sure I would have had the physical belt from him. Like I would have said, Brad Rankins, want five grand? Go get that belt. And believe me, Rankins would have took it from him. So now I've got the physical belt, and I tell him, look, yo, do the job on the TV taping. If he says no, I'm like, okay, you're off TV forever. You're in opening matches on the arena, and I'm flying you back and forth across the country every chance I get. Like, that would have been it. And then I would just put the belt on Savage, just go on TV with the belt, Randy with the belt. Hey, new Intercontinental Champion Randy Savage finally did it, won it from Honky Tonk Man. That's it. Yeah, you could have done another Rio de Janeiro title change. It's, it's not like they never happened in wrestling. I mean, I was going to joke that Honky Tonk Man lost at Albuquerque, New Mexico, the same way Buddy Landell lost the national title to Dusty Rhodes. Right, exactly. All right. And uh, Jamie, can you tell us the story? I, I think you know it about the time that the WWE magazine actually scooped somebody by accident. That hard-hitting uh, bastion of journalism. <laughs> yeah, didn't they um, publish the magazine 
and had Savage on the cover with the belt before the tournament even happened? They had it published, and they hadn't, you know, it wasn't on newsstands yet, but it got leaked. And I have in my notes, you know, they had to change their plans after that happened. And let me ask you guys something. Do you agree with that? I'll start with you, Jamie. Do you agree that they had to change their plans after that got leaked? Not necessarily. They could have just gone along with it. I, I always thought leaks were way overrated, and they could have just done whatever they wanted to. How about you, Sean? How many times have you seen a newspaper accidentally leak out a headline for a uh, sports team that won and they didn't win? They just released it early by accident. Uh, I haven't. I, I personally haven't oh? seen that. Oh, no, it's happened. One of those kind of Truman Dewey things where yeah. Harry Truman's holding up the newspaper. Oh, it's happened. And, you know, it's I would have just played it off that way that, you know, we had a copy for each just in case, you know, whoever's going to win the championship, because obviously we don't have time to do it. So that one got released by accident. Yeah, but I mean, you could go with that. But then you're saying, well, did you make copies of 14 guys winning the title? And you may have taken the picture. Yeah, I mean, you may have had to. That'd be my story for it, though. But I certainly wouldn't have done what they did. No, I, you know, the only thing I question, like I'm looking at my notes, they had to, had to in bold letters, change their plans. I no longer think that they have to, but I think it would have been the best road to go down. Just to throw people off. I don't know. It's, uh, I think they overthought themselves here. There were many different way, things you could have said that could have covered for it in a kayfabe, reasonable way. I mean, they've, they've made up dumber stuff. True. I mean, I just don't understand why you have to. I mean, how, it's not like they're booking. This isn't like Dusty. They're not like booking on the fly here. Vince plans this stuff out months in advance. Oh, at least, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this isn't a minor thing he's doing. Oh, it just seems to. Who was the guy? I mean, did he just not bother to come in and move to another country? <laughs> I, I have no idea. But you know, I mean, look at it this way. He's probably in Rio de Janeiro right now. The, the original plan was to put the title on DiBiase. And there are some people who have disputed that over the years. No, I mean, I was following this live as it happened. This, the information we gave you is correct. I mean, they, they changed the brackets in the tournament. After Honky Tonk Man's actions made them change course. So I don't know why they couldn't have just changed course again. And just give the belt to DiBiase. What's wrong with that? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I think they should have. You know, I mean, I think it was they were on like major shows like Good Morning America, if I recall correctly, with this magazine before the tournament laughing about it. By overthinking the situation, they made the whole thing worse. But, but they just went with Savage. Yeah, so it's well. We, all, I mean, it. we as the smart fans kind of already knew it was going to be savage, from you know what we had read in the Observer anyway. Because yeah. by '88, Observer was having great impact among the smart fans. And but and, and while we're on the idea of like them doing dumb things, let's go let's rewind a little bit and the angle that set this up. Why the whole thing where Andre wins it and then gives it to DiBiase? Well, was somebody watching Ole Anderson's 83 booking? I thought that was great booking. Well, okay, what was your objection to that? I, I, I don't know. It seems like a bizarre way to have to hold up a title. I respectfully disagree. Now, for those unaware, the angle coming in was that Ted DiBiase, I want to say January, maybe December, purchased Andre the Giant specifically so that Andre would win the belt and give it to Ted DiBiase. 
So you have the deal go down with the Hebner twin thing, and then Andre delivers the belt to DiBiase as promised, and then the WWF says, no way we're going along with this. Andre surrendered the title, so to hell with him. DiBiase's not the champion, so to hell with him. I mean, they did it the next week on TV. Is there any difference in this angle than what Zabisco did with Killer Brooks? Uh, yeah, it was a big difference. The big difference is the WWF did it right away. I want to say on the next television, Jack Tunney stripped the title. Zabisco had the belt and was defending it for six or seven weeks. It was crazy. Fair enough. I, I just I, I was really souring on them at this point. It, it was starting around by the end, of, like right around after WrestleMania three. So I, I am not going to be Mr. Happy Camper through much of this. <laughs> uh, so, OK, we have a third point here, but I think that's going to be part of John's answer. So we'll go to the questions. Ian Totten, uh, why is WrestleMania four so maligned other than the crowd? It's a solid show. Okay, now, uh, we already talked about this ahead of time. John needs a little elbow room here. My answer is going to be pretty quick. I like the card. I agree with him. I think it was not a terrible idea. I don't like how they got there. My problem was the fact that 16 matches? No. No, 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 no. That's wildly. All the matches were five minutes. The guys did not have a chance to actually build the match. That's why all the matches were mediocre. Every time they've tried to do this, going back to 72 when, um, oh, what's his name? Johnny Powers did that tournament in Cleveland where it was like he had like 27 matches or something. These long cards do not work. They never do. But that's my one major criticism with this card. Jamie, what, what do you think? Why is it so maligned? Do you think it deserves to be? You were there. No, I don't think it should have been maligned because if you were a traditional WWF fan, when did you ever see a one-night tournament for a title? You never did. Nope. You never did. And when I first started watching TBS and I started getting the tapes and everything, when you'd see the territory shows, I used to get pumped over hearing that they were having one-night tournaments for championships. So here it is, 1988, and finally I'm getting my chance to see a tournament. And not only going to get to see it, I'm going to get to see it live. Now, did I realize if the matches are going to be so short? Never really thought about that entering into it. But live, the card was, the crowd was dead because it was mostly, if I remember correctly at the time, it was mostly a corporate crowd, a lot of giveaways, Mm -hmm. the Atlantic City gambling crowd. It wasn't a pure wrestling crowd. So they weren't really into it. However, when I watched this back last week and doing my notes and everything i don't know if they were turning up the volume for it the crowd reaction was much better than i remember when i was there live huh plus if you look at the lineup it's also a smart fans dream card i I mean look at some of these matches i mean we all at that time were starting to get into work rate based on what melcher was all saying but i mean you go back just like six years dibiase duggan Morocco Bravo, Valentine Steamboat, Savage Butch Reed, One Man Gang Bigelow, and Robertson Rude. It's a dream card. It's a dream card on paper, but none of yeah, them paper. delivered. It didn't translate. It was like, a wow, look at all this. Oh, a quick aside to what I was saying, because I agree with Jamie. The idea is great, because where else are you going to go after what they did last year with that main event? I mean, you can't. The, the idea was great. My only issue was they did the same thing with, they did with the uh, King of the Ring in Foxborough. All you had to do was have eight guys because no one is thinking Dino Bravo's winning the world title. No, I agree with you there. I mean, to answer Ian's question, I mean, 
you know, great minds don't always think alike. And this was the worst wrestling show I have ever seen. And I've seen bad indies and I've seen heroes of wrestling. I mean, the show was boring, long and ridiculously predictable. Um, and there's there's a couple of reasons why I think the work rate, the matches were so bad. Number one, we're kind of at the peak of the wrestlers being you know so blown up as they were in the late 80s, early 90s. I mean, these guys were so bulked up, they couldn't move. Secondly, and this might have been Jamie Ward who told me this story many moons ago, but I don't remember it. Someone I knew who was at this show actually went down to get breakfast and was mingling with some of the wrestlers who weren't up early getting breakfast. They were still out late at night partying at the casino. They, I think they had the Saturday night off before that, and they were taking advantage of it. And here they are, 8, 9 in the morning, breakfast time, you know, still drinking at the casino. Well, I also heard that Vince McMahon comes down with his entourage. And as soon as everyone saw Vince, they scattered like ants running from a fire, except Rick Rude. And McMahon walks up to Rick Rude, and he's like, hey, pal, you're up nice and early this morning. <laughs> and Rude just got pissed at him, and they had to be separated. What a great start. You didn't Why hear you... that from me, but I've heard that story before. Right. Why do you think it took so long to get a football team in Las Vegas? <laughs> this is why. <laughs> uh, you know, nightmare scenario. I know football players are crazy. I can tell you rest, pro wrestlers back in the day were even friggin' crazier. But that that's one reason why the guys were out partying until the wee hours of the morning. And that's why no one showed up for work at one o'clock or whatever it was. Here is my I don't like to do too much indulging in fantasy booking because I don't think it's like the primary thing people want to hear. But someone asked me, is this show salvageable? I say, yes, it is. One thing I hated about this tournament was it was beyond predictable. The one non-predictable thing was Greg Valentine beating Ricky Steamboat. After that, everyone had to know the result of every single match coming in, possibly with the exception of Savage and DiBiase. But here's my idea. Have a battle royal on TV two weeks earlier. The winner gets the final spot in this tournament. And in this battle royal, you have Bad News Brown, Bret Hart, and another baby face is the last three. Do the deal where they gang up on the baby face, eliminate them, and then Brown turns on Bret, just like he did at WrestleMania 4. But wait, he fails to eliminate him. Bret comes back, and after five minutes of action, Bret eliminates Brown and earns the final spot. But the winner is facing Greg Valentine in the opening round. So the next week, Bret's being interviewed about, you know, wow, you won the Battle Royal. Jimmy Hart and Greg Valentine come out. Jimmy says, okay, the plan for the family is Honky Tonk Man regains the Intercontinental title. Brett and Neidhart are going to regain the tag team titles. And Greg Valentine is going to win the world title. Jimmy asks Brett to please do what's right for the family and get counted out tomorrow afternoon at WrestleMania. Greg then offers Brett a sincere handshake. No smirking. A sincere handshake. Make them think that this is really going to happen. Next day, WrestleMania 2, Valentine and Bret Hart are in the ring. The bell rings. Jimmy gets on the megaphone and encourages Bret to leave the ring and get counted out. Bret gets on the mic and says, Greg, I'm sorry, but I might never get a chance like this again. If you want to advance in this tournament, you have to beat me fair and square. 
Brett extends his hand and Greg suckers him. The match is on, and if hopefully Greg can get a good match out of 1988 Greg Valentine, and Brett goes over clean. Next round, Bret Hart versus Ricky Steamboat. Brett offers a pre-match handshake. Steamboat accepts. It is a total babyface match where Brett goes over clean. Steamboat's leaving, so he shouldn't care. That should be a great match right there, no questions asked. Now we go to the final four. Bret Hart beats one-man gang to advance to the finals. Now, if people aren't going crazy about Bret Hart by now, I don't know what to say. During the DiBiase Savage match, they mention that Bret is a three-count away from becoming world champ. Who would have thought? But there's bad blood between he and Randy Savage. Remember Bret's association with Honky Tonk Man when Savage turned on the Saturday Night's main event like six months earlier? This is all a big red herring because Andre interferes and costs Savage a loss via countout. Now, Bret Hart versus DiBiase in the final. And once again, if I don't give you a four-star match worth talking about the next day, I don't know what to say. Do the typical underdog babyface match, Andre and Virgil interfere, and then Ted wins. As the three of them are celebrating mid-ring with money, money, money playing, Brett charges the three of them and starts swinging. Three on one, so Brett can't sustain this, but Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage charge the ring. It's a six-man brawl. The babyfaces clear the place out. Now you have two hot babyface stars, Savage and Hart, while Hogan takes the summer off to make no holds barred. You give Brett the rub by associating him right away with Hogan and Savage. It would get him over. You want more? The next week, Neidhart gets on TV and fires Jimmy Hart. Brett says he'll take any match against Ted DiBiase he can get, but he doesn't want to leave Jim without a partner, so his brother Owen will take his place in the Hart Foundation team. You get Jimmy Hart a new team. You've got a built-in feud right there. You've got a built-in feud with Brett Hart versus Greg Valentine. You can do six bands. I've just created your summer and a new star for you. You're welcome. Look out, Bowser and the Booker. <laughs> that was a here little comes, longer than I wanted it to be. I wanted to get here every comes Johnny Mac. <laughs> That's right. I'm taking advantage of poor Jeff while he's sick. Yeah, I don't have any disagreements with anything you just came up with. Well, you know what? I mean, I, I would want people, I, I bet kids went to school the next day or people went to work the next day saying like, um, you know, hey, how was WrestleMania? People who didn't order the show, and obviously everyone didn't, and I bet everyone would said, oh, it was either bad or, ah, it was okay, yeah, Savage won. Like, I would have sent the kids to school the next day with something to talk about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And this, this show was also opposite of when they ran their first clash, correct? So it was Flair Sting up uh, against was, this show? Yeah, it was Flair Sting in the first clash of the champion. So, I mean, show-wise, I mean, by the way, when we do our group watch, we will watch Clash 1 this coming Sunday. But, I mean, Clash 1 was so much better than the show. I'll agree with that. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought the Clash was a better card. Do you think so, Jamie? Yeah, I wanted to say I probably got home around midnight that night, and I sat down and watched the entire Clash because I took the next day off from work. And, um, yeah, I actually thought the Clash was a better card. I, I love Sting Flair. We're not talking NWA, but no doubt that match established thing for years to come. Oh, no questions asked. I mean, Sting almost got over by accident because he was just a filler in there to fill time while they were waiting for the Great American Bash with Flair versus Luger. And surprise, Sting turned into a star. But I mean, let me say what happened WrestleMania Day. I had a bunch of people over my house. We were recording 
I had one of my neighbors recording the Clash of the Champions, and we were watching WrestleMania, and everyone in my place was asleep by the end of it. And this wasn't a bunch of smart fans. This was just average casual wrestling fans, and everyone was bored to tears by WrestleMania. And as soon as we put in the Clash, and they did that angle where Jimmy Garvin took a wire hanger and tried to strangle Kevin Sullivan, the place went nuts. It was like everyone was alive again, for God's sake. And everyone was, you know, had a good time watching The Clash, and no one had fun watching WrestleMania. Those long cards just don't work. Uh, okay, on to Dominic Violi. We seem to have a trend on the questions. Dominic asks, was this the worst WrestleMania of all time? If not, what do you think is? What do you think, Jamie? I actually didn't think this is the worst one. If we get into WrestleMania five, there's my worst one of all time. Oh, wow. All right. Because what the, the following year, just live, it was 10 times worse than this, in, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, I mean, for me, I, I can tell you honestly, I have not seen WrestleMania's 19 through 29. I wasn't interested enough at the time to order them. And I've had WWE Network for six years, and I still haven't gotten to those yet. The network version of this is three and a half hours, and I'm not even making a joke. I mean, I recorded it on VHS. I could swear it was four hours long, so maybe there was an intermission that got cut out of WWE Network, which would make sense. But yeah, it gets my vote for worst WrestleMania of all time. Uh, For me, if you don't count the next five, it does. Jamie's right. Five was bad. These weren't getting any better. It was the same crap, but less talent. I mean, I, you have to look at nine. I would say out of the first 20, and I'm like John. I really haven't seen you know a lot of the later ones. But for the ones I've seen the first 20, I would say nine's still the worst. Nine is bad. Nine is really bad. As a matter of fact, I don't think we're going to get to talk about WrestleMania 9 because WrestleMania oh. season is going to be over soon. But Is, is that I mean, the uh, Bret Hart, Yokozuna? Coaching? Yes. Okay, yeah. I might have to go there, too. <laughs> Tried to blank most of that 90s out Yeah, that's my, that's my problem I'm sitting there like, I, I know there's a bunch I'm missing They're equally terrible I mean, I watched uh, the first Eight WrestleManias live I mean, I, I went out of my way And by the time nine Came around, I, I didn't even Care enough to go to my friend's house and watch it I was like, no, I'll get a VHS tape from you I'll watch the NCAA I don't think the NCAA tournament was on But whatever was going on that day I would rather spend a nice Sunday doing, I just stopped caring about the WWF. But the next day I see one of my friends at work and he's like, you're not going to believe what happened yesterday. I'm like, well, and Hogan's the WWF champion. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. They, they spent like a year and a half trying to get out of the Hulk Hogan era, trying to build up Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, etc. And they threw all of that away just like that. And guess what? We've talked about this on, on the show before. Hogan's return in 1993 was a giant bomb. This was happening either way because he was already losing a ton of steam by the time he left. We've talked about this earlier. He wasn't the same guy. I mean, he had been, I would say, even starting right after WrestleMania 3, some of that mojo, you were hearing booze by this point. I mean, people were getting sick of the act. That's why him turning heel was vital back in the 90s because he just couldn't sustain what he was doing. Yeah, I would say there are a lot worse to come than this. Chris Timms wanted to know if they would have dropped the IC title to Beefcake at this show, then where does Ultimate Warrior end up by SummerSlam 88, Jamie? I still think Warrior ends up winning the belt by SummerSlam. Beefcake's just like an interim champion, and somebody else comes along, beats Beefcake, and then 
Warriors. The Warrior was over. The crowd loved the guy, and he was getting to his peak right around SummerSlam. I still think they would have put the belt on him. Yeah, I mean, there was there was no talk of putting the Intercontinental title on Beefcake at this point. I mean, he had been a babyface for a year. He got over. I'll give him credit. I thought there was no way this guy was getting over when they turned him. But, you know, he got over. Uh, I mean, if they did it out of nowhere, probably the same path to WrestleMania 6, that path wouldn't have changed. There just wouldn't have been an Intercontinental title involved. They were going to put it on Beefcake for sure, at SummerSlam 1990, and then he had the parasailing accident. Right, now that's when we get to Texas Tornado, correct? Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking about this today. In 1983, Kerry Von Erich was very unique. You know, he had a great physique, a superstar Billy Graham-level physique. And he was a really good-looking guy, and wrestling didn't have many of those. Now it's 1990, and there are plenty of those. So why are you calling him the Texas Tornado? The only thing that makes him special is that he's Kerry Von Erich. Because they couldn't do it. They could not accept that somebody got over not through the machine. Uh, you know what? You're right. But I, I still think it was it was a crazy thing to do. I mean, I was saying that well, in 1990, like there's nothing special about this guy except he's Kerry Von Erich now. It's a classic case of biting your nose to spite your face. Exactly. I mean, you're taking not only, you're hurting yourself. Because that's what's marketable about him. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. That didn't matter to Vince, though, because he created nope. wrestling or whatever he was calling it by that point. He really believed that. He talked about that. I mean, it would be in magazines that, like, you know, I took this business out of the smoke-filled arenas and made it legitimate. Okay. Um, let me go on to Dan Ponce. I, now, John basically answered this question, so let me kind of rephrase it. He basically just said, rebook it. And the reason I'm asking this is because rebook it minus the tournament. Yes. So, Jamie, I ask you, is there a main event concept? The reason I like the idea of the tournament is because where do you go from Hogan-Andre? That was the super match. So, I mean, it's just hard to top that. So the tournament seemed like a good idea. Was there any other option to you, Jamie, that you could have run with in a main event that you know could have been a WrestleMania four caliber main event on its own? Well, you could have not taken the belt off of DiBiase, as controversial as that would have been, and had the uh, the Savage DiBiase main event for the title, maybe where DiBiase tries to um, buy Elizabeth, and <laughs> thus that ignites the feud, and then you still have. One more Andre Hogan underneath, but with like a stipulation, this is the last time that the two will wrestle something along those lines. This is what I had written down beforehand. Don't strip DiBiase of the title and do DiBiase versus Savage. DiBiase somehow buys his way out of a rematch and Hogan versus Andre too. So exact same answers for me and Jamie. I cannot think after what you, you needed a buffer between uh, WrestleMania's three and five after what you did with Andre and Hogan, because you were not going to top that. No. So you needed to have something in between those two, and then you can go back to having a straight main event. I think the idea was great. I thought the execution was poor. They shouldn't have had it. Uh, I understand why they had it there, but that ended up being a problem as John was talking about and Jamie were talking about. So the idea was fine. I liked the idea of a tournament. It was just badly executed. If I recall correctly, that WrestleMania 4 and subsequently WrestleMania 5 were the highest grossing events in wrestling history because they just charged a lot for tickets. Right, and they had less overhead, and they were living off the reputation of the first three. Yes, and you know another quick point. Yes, it did 
as far as like live attendance, it outgrossed WrestleMania three as incredible as that may be. That's my understanding, at least. And number two, you know what? They weren't topping Hogan Andre. They they never have and they never will. That's not knocking anyone. It's just, you know, Hogan and Andre was such an amazing dream match. It got, you know, casual fans excited. It got non-fans into it. And that number you just, well, you didn't throw a number out there, but the highest grossing, that probably doesn't even include how much money Trump paid McMahon to hold it there two years in a row. That's a good point. That's part of the reason why it was the highest grossing event, because they didn't have to pay for an arena. I think it was, you right. know, like Jamie said, it was the opposite. They were getting money, not spent, not right. renting. Exactly. Exactly. That's a, that's a big difference than having to go out and rent the Silver Dome. I guess they gave Donald his three seats front row because he was in the same place two years in a row. One year with Absolutely. the Bronco, one year without. I mean, we so watched was- on the group watch last Sunday, and it was just weird. I'm not going to get political here, but it's just weird seeing Donald Trump front row center on the hard cam and it's like wow that's who he was then and this is what he is now i mean they interviewed him and everything and you're just like geez a lot changed in 32 years hey go watch bedtime with bonzo i think it was the old uh ronald reagan movie yep bonzo that was it hey you never know oh uh, the roles I mean, were, they were saying the same thing about him so it's you know it happens jamie you have anything else about four before we go into five uh just for a, a smart fans three matches I would have hooked up Strike Force against the Bulldogs, that show. And I also would have did Steamboat Harley Race since both were on the way out. Yeah, uh, Harley, I think Harley got hurt on a Saturday night's main event and didn't really know he was on his way out until I think he blew. I don't know what he did if he his appendix blew up, but he had a match against Hogan where he took a bump and he went through a table and he like messed up his intestines. Yeah, I actually have have a note here. If you ever decide to watch a show again or anyone else does check out the battle world in a hellacious bump harley takes over the top rope to get eliminated he lands basically on his neck oh man outside the ring yeah harley was still working hard he was an older guy but he was working really hard in 87 and 88 i give him credit making the kids look bad (laughs) yeah so on to wrestlemania 5 i'm not going to read the entire card again because that even bored me but basically this is the one with uh, savage and hogan as the uh, the main event, your your more standard main event. So, discussion points. What was your reaction, Jamie, to Rick Rude beating the Ultimate Warrior for the IC title? It was a big surprise on my part. I didn't see it coming. I don't remember reading anything in the Observer at the time that it was coming, but I thought it was a good move. I usually heard about these things in advance, even you know, not to be boastful. I usually found out about stuff even if it wasn't in the Observer. And one example, like I knew. Pauly Dangerously's Midnight Express were coming on TV and they were going to attack Cornette. Like, I'd heard that. But this one, I had no idea. I was very surprised. I thought they were going to be pushing Warrior one way and Rude another, and it was the opposite. Rick Rude was getting a giant push at this point. Second that happened, the first thing I thought, I, I guess it's like WWF thinking that they're giving him the world title. Because once I, that seemed to be kind of their tradition is that they would have the IC champion and they have to get the belt off of them and then they push him for the title. So he was he was still over, and I just thought that we're setting that up. They did kind of a similar thing with Savage. Maybe. I mean, you're right. Getting the Intercontinental title off of Warrior, you would think, would be the next step towards you know him getting the world title. At this point, I can remember I did not see them doing a babyface match with Hogan versus Warrior the next year. 
I may have been the mindset that we weren't even because I'm already kind of writing Hogan out <laughs> at this point because he just was losing steam. I'm like, okay, where are your future prospects at this point? So maybe I was picturing him as the replacement for Hogan, or because I mean, he was. I, it sounds silly, but he was crazy over at that time. A warrior, he absolutely yeah. was. Oh yeah. So, and people I mean, say Vince pushed him down everyone's throat. The guy got over by accident. Well, yeah, but once he got over by accident, then Vince pushed him like crazy. Oh, yeah. Vince has been looking for a replacement for Hogan for ever since Tom, what's his name? <laughs> I mean, Vince, you know, I could have told you this a long time ago. You're not going to replace Hogan. You're going to, you're, you're going to get another guy and maybe the other guy is going to be fine. But I mean, he didn't replace Hogan until Steve Austin. And that's not really replacing Hogan. That's just, you know, a different kind of character. I don't think Vince liked being that reliant on one person his business and in the early days that really was the case with hogan you know what he was and i was just thinking today i bet not a day has gone by in hulk hogan's life in the past 10 15 years where he says damn it i should have asked for a stake in the company he would have been 100 percent correct in, in asking for that i'm not talking you know i would have asked for 15 and sold for five between five and ten but, you know, if I'm Hogan, I regret saying to Vince sometime in 1984, hey, you're building this on my back. Can I please have a piece of it? Not a giant piece, but a piece. Make it even easier for you. you for him, you just ask in, uh, say, February of 1987. What's Vince going to say? Yeah, really? You're going to say nothing uh, because <laughs> uh, you, you got him there. If Hogan walks away from it, you know, that he's done. So uh, that's when I would have done it. And, yeah, he should. I can't see how Vince says no. If he asks at the right time, somewhere between, you know, the MTV deal and up until uh, right before WrestleMania three. I honestly don't know. I mean, I think Hulk Hogan's a wrestler. So, of course, he's going to ask March 1987. But I mean, I, it's something I would have brought up in 84. It's like, hey, Vince, you know, come on. I've, I'm a real difference maker here. Can you throw this in for me? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I know. It's such a tough, I, the only reason I said 87, it's going to be a tough sell event anyway. By the time you were at 87, it's, it's hard to make the argument against it. I think way before that, but anyway. Yeah. So let's go on to the questions. Paul Skivers, what was the best and worst match at WrestleMania 5 and why, Jamie? Ronnie Garvin against Dino Bravo. I fell asleep. <laughs> not, not literally, but I was bored to tears during that match. Okay. What was the best match? Oh, Right down here. Got to check the old notes. The best match was actually Hogan Savage. The crowd was really the, the only time of the entire card that the crowd was really into. It. Yeah, I mean, and, and this was like the ultimate one match show. The best match was Savage versus Hogan. I mean, come on, it's the main event. It's the world title match. That's a tiebreaker. Randy Savage was awesome in this match. And at the time, I did not like the fact that Hogan kicked out of the elbow drop. That just pissed me off. I understand why they did it, but come on. I mean, leave Savage with a little something. Don't mop the floor with him. It was pointed out to me during the group watch by Christian Body that, yeah, Savage got over it. He was still a main eventer. He could handle it. I would just rather, you know, Hogan not have done that to Randy Savage. Worst match easily was Jake Roberts versus Andre the Giant. I'm not saying this mean-spiritedly, but, I mean, Andre was pathetic. He could barely move. He could barely stand upright. I mean, I heard that he was getting around in a wheelchair and then getting out there and wrestling. And Big John Studd was the referee for this, and, of course, he's the most boring referee ever. Maybe the worst part of the show was 
the Roddy Piper's Pit. Where oh my God! Yes. And Morton Downey Jr. Now, for those unaware, Morton Downey was this controversial, extreme right wing late night talk show host. He would be on like cheap UHF channels. And he actually had like a moment in the sun in like 88 where he was popular. But then, you know, of course, an act like that wears out thin. And so, of course, Downey is yesterday's news and they give him a major spot on WrestleMania. And they bring back Roddy Piper, which was a really big deal. And they waste it on just this endless, painful segment. It was terrible. Brother, why could they not? I love you. Uh, I can't figure out what to do with Roddy when he came back. It was one of those things where it's like it was a decent idea, but the segment, the segment itself was just horrible. I mean, I, I like what they were doing with Piper later in the year when he was feuding with Rude, etc. No, I mean, period. When Piper came back, he didn't seem to have the impact you would think he would have. I mean, he made a vetted Madison Square Garden, made a vetted Boston Garden. Yes, I just, I don't know. I mean, he was such a big star when he was here the first time. I was maybe build it up in my mind in a little bit. You know what, though? It was, he was number three behind Hogan and Warrior. I mean, that's pretty much it. And by the way, as far as what you said, what he did to Savage, he does that to everybody. He did it to Warrior. I mean, Warrior (laughs) should have been taking notes. (laughs) When this happened, some guy comes over and does a pin, and Hogan will do something to take the luster off of it. He does it every time. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right, and that's something I definitely want to talk about next week. He did it to The Rock! God. <laughs> Doug, I'd say my best match, I guess, uh, would, yeah, so, uh, Savage Hogan, I'd say the Brain Buster Strike Force, because those four are, you know, just those four together are going to have a decent match. Uh, yeah, Jake and I, Andre, Andre shouldn't have been in the ring two years ago. Never mind now. So, whatever match he is in, you would have been better off having Andre as the referee and putting Stud in the match. Well, yeah. I mean, they were building towards Andre versus Stud, and Stud walked out for whatever reason. I mean, Andre, you know what? He had the sickness, man. I mean, he died January 1993. He was still out wrestling in Japan December 1992. I mean, that's crazy, but that was him. He wanted to be in the business. Okay. Dan Potts asked, God, I already answered this, but did the WWF make a mistake going back to Atlantic City for WrestleMania 5, Jamie? Not financially. No. Yeah, I if I recall correctly, it was Atlantic City all the way. I heard that they, you know, a year ago that they were going to go back there. I'm actually surprised they didn't do another one here after four and five. And this time, I'm sure of it. WrestleMania five did the biggest live gate in history. So it's not a mistake. At the end of the day, someone's going to pay all your overhead for your housing and for your, you know, where you're going to put on the event and all this other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, obviously, of course you do that. I mean, I'd like to have them all in MSG, just like you'd like to have all the Starcades in Greensboro, but, you know, what are you going to do? Right. Uh, financially, it's just too smart. Dennis Brown, what could have been a better match for Tully and Arn in their only WrestleMania match? Jamie? I would have done the Rockers again. Because they'd already done two main events with each team going over, so this would have been the rubber match. Yeah, they'd already gone around the horn, I think, the fall of 88 uh, into like winter 89 with the Rockers and Tully and Arn. But you could have done it again at WrestleMania. They were excellent matches. But I mean, my answer may be the Hart Foundation, but Martell and Santana were really good, especially Martell. Martell is, I think, is extremely underrated. 
I personally was extremely surprised by the Martell turn. Once again, I had not heard anything about that. I could not picture Rick Martell at the time as a heel, and it turned out he did a really great job at the end of the day being a heel. Yeah, I, I have no problem with Strike Force here. The problem with these poor guys, can you imagine how great these guys would be if you plunked them into the WWF tag team scene in 86? Yeah. Oh, Tully and Arn against the Bulldogs. Oh, it'd be fantastic. And the hearts, and you're running out of people to throw at them here. I like Strike Force. I love Santana, and I like Martel. And those are two guys who really don't have too many bad matches. So if you're going to get to have a good match, there's four guys who are pretty much, you're going to get something at least decent. Yeah, I mean, you've got the former AWA champion and the two-time former Intercontinental champion, you know, teaming up against the Horsemen. I, I liked it coming in. It wasn't that great, though. They made the match about Martel turning. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, on again, on paper, doesn't seem to work out. Everything on paper with these WrestleMania seems great. Brian Crawley rebooked WrestleMania five with the talent signed at the time to make the card better. Jamie. Oh, well, I was still going Savage Hogan on top. I would have gone ahead and gotten to Andre and stud because neither one had much tread left on the tires. Probably would have thrown the Rougeos against the hearts and the tag team match. I would have loved to see demolition against the big boss man and Akeem. Uh, I actually like that idea. Wow. And one more, the smart fans' uh, dream match, Martel DiBiase. I would have thrown that in there also. I like that one. I mean, my answer mirrors yours. I'm just not very specific. You have Hogan versus Savage on top, and it's really a one-man show. That's like all anyone cared, the only match anyone cared about. And obviously, people cared enough. In general, I would have booked more matches where you would have gotten a good match as opposed to having Dino Bravo against Ronnie Garvin, etc. Bad News Brown against Hacksaw Duggan. Just get some of the guys out there who can go and just to make the show a little bit better. Just like just eight matches and make them really good. What I had was Haku versus Hercules, Strike Force versus the Hearts, Brain Buses versus the Demos, Rude versus Warrior, Allen versus DiBiase, and then Hogan Savage. And you know what? Brian's a good guy. I'm sorry to be so nonspecific, but <laughs> I mean, that's basically I would have tried to get guys kind of eliminate the guys who couldn't work and get some better workers in the undercard matches. You know, but like I said, the only thing that really mattered was Hogan Savage. Frank asked a question. I don't know if this, if this is just a complete hypothetical or if there's more to this. Um, if Savage couldn't have made the match given he was in the hospital that morning if you're vince what do you do jamie is it was this legit or is this yes. just, uh yeah he was yeah, in the well, hospital with a staff, a staff infection in his elbow okay so if he what happens if he can't make it jamie what do you think well i'm going to the ace in the hole i'm having a piper turn heel real quick that's on my list Three minds think alike, Johnny. No wonder we've known each other for 30 years. Yeah, really? <laughs> Here's what I would have done. I would have asked Savage to crawl in the ring and do two minutes if he had to. Even if I had to wheel him in and wheel him out if necessary. The promotion had been building towards this match since SummerSlam, possibly even since the last WrestleMania. And, I mean, Savage is as familiar with the wrestling business as anyone. He knew no matter what, he had to go out there. No matter how much tape he had to put on that elbow, 
no matter how much Advil or whatever else Dr. Zaharian had to numb the pain, he knew he had to go out there, even if he was risking further serious injury. I mean, I'm not saying I advocate that, but Savage knows it's what you got to do, man. Let's say Savage just absolutely cannot make it. Andre is a possibility, but his stock was dropping rapidly. Warrior is a possibility. You know, just have Intercontinental Champion against WWF Champion. He's right there. Do some kind of weird Piper turn. Uh, Maybe rude. To be honest, though, there's no good choices here. I mean, if Savage couldn't make that night, I mean, they were up the creek. I also had a crazy thought. This is why, like, you stop and think before you do things, people. I'm like, okay, maybe call Ric Flair or Lex Luger. Um, At first, I'm like, I think JCP had already reneged on their contract. John, you're a year behind. TBS owns it. But what if Vince calls up Ric Flair and says, hey, I'll give you a million dollars to show up and do this match? And there's a reason why you don't do that. It's because WCW could prove in court that Vince knows damn well that Ric Flair has a contract and uh, sue him inside out. And you had Flair steamboat that day. Yeah, you know, the crazy thought, and that's all it was, I wouldn't have actually done that, is give give Ric Flair a call in the morning and say, hey, we've got a jet and a million dollars waiting for you. Get on it. I had a different idea, but I like the idea that you guys just had, so I'm going to play it out a little bit, because I think the best answer is Piper. How do you turn Piper heel, Jamie? Have Hogan be in the um, Piper's pit. He turns on him. Somebody attacks Savage before the main event. And somehow Piper gets the main event. All right. Off the top of my pointy little head, because I hadn't even thought about, like, how do you turn Piper the day of the show? The show starts. Randy Savage is in the hospital. We, he is in really bad condition. And here's the guy who did it to him. And Roddy Piper comes out smirking. Oh, yeah. I like that. Because I think that could work. I could picture Piper's face, that egotistical look he used to have as a heel. I mean, it's that, like that's he's a, back home again. He'll do the Ole Anderson speech. Like I had to put up with these people for two years. Give <laughs> me a title shot at WrestleMania one. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's a, you know, I think it, no matter what, if Savage hadn't been to this event, a lot of people would have been pissed off, disappointed, calling their cable company saying, you know, I'm not going to pay for this, but, but yeah. you do what you got to do to salvage it. And you get out there and you say, you know, I don't know. You do something to make them want to see it. Like you go on and say, okay, I know if anyone's disappointed that Randy Savage is here, feel free to enjoy the first hour of this pay-per-view on us. And then, you know, call your cable company if you're not happy. A Savage not being at that show would have created such a desperate time for the WWF. I know, but turning Piper heel would be so, I mean, oh, Piper is a heel there. That actually has big intrigue. Uh, maybe. You know what, though? I mean, Roddy Piper, granted, he hadn't been with the company for two years. I can't say he was stale at this point. I think he was stale as a heel when they turned him, but you've got a whole two years. So, yeah, I mean, with a lack of good options, that's what I would have done. I like that. That is definitely the, of all those. As you said, this is going to go bad either way. But yeah. that I think that limits as much damage as possible. There is no really ideal scenario. All right. Well, we are just about out of time here at Stick to Wrestling. We did get through WrestleManias 4 and 5, and I'm happy for that. Jamie, thank you once again for coming on. You were a wicked good guest. Oh, that's a mighty high compliment. Thank you very much, and uh, anytime you guys want me, I'm here. 
All right. Thank you so much. I want to thank Sean Goodman, my convivial co-host, for all the great work he does for Stick to Wrestling. I want to thank Lou Kippelman, our producer. Lou is the man. He's one reason why this podcast is raw bone. And we want to thank everyone for listening during these absolutely horrible times we're going through. I'm wishing you and your family all the best. And this has been a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network.